Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. You're fired. Welcome everyone, this is Rhode Island Free Radio Wrestling Talk here on rifreeradio.org. That was the Big Show's theme, and a little bit later on, we'll be talking all things Big Show, including his time as the Giant in WCW as well. But first, I am Mike Dickerson, and to my right, George Garner. Good evening. Across the table from me, now let's see if I get this right, AWL, ringside powerbomb, Hall of Famer. And number one USWF World Heavyweight Champion of all time. Thank you. Blackjack Charlie. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I got to, as I mentioned last time, he is my ride home from this thing. So, (laughs) and I mean, they say cash, grass, or ass, and (laughs) I don't have any cash or grass, and he doesn't want the ass. So, plus the the threat of physical violence goes a long way, too. Yeah, I don't really want to get hit by a chair today. And uh, at the soundboard, we've got Tony Jones. You get hit by chair stew. 
Yeah, I would not like that. They um, have a little stupid, I'll say bleep, with chairs. <laughs> I, I would not like that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit, in a little while, we're going to talk about all things Big Show. But before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about some current stuff. And it's kind of fitting that I mentioned a Hall of Fame because just today, WWE actually started announcing some pretty big names for their next Hall of Fame class, 2020. And first off, the NWO, which Big Show, he was a member of it as Giant, but he's not included. The only ones in it are Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Sean Wallman, a.k.a. Six, a.k.a. X-Pac, a.k.a. 123Kid. Which, I think if they're going to include him too, because he was not one of the original three, I think they should have put Big Show in as the Giant, because I think that... Those first five are really the best ones. Big Show was one of the first five in the NWO? Not, if you don't count Ted DiBiase as a non-wrestling backer. But yeah, that was where in the early days he was one of the original. Not the original, but among the early ones. Right. And how long was he in it, though? Didn't they, turn, he was didn't in, they backstab him pretty quick? Uh, for Pretty quickly, but he was back in. He was like in and out a couple of times. But when he was in, it was actually a pretty good fit. Mm-hmm. And he actually was in the WWE version as well later on which X-Pac was as well too where they put like Booker T and Ric Flair in there despite them never having any association in WCW I don't know I I think I think they as little as I sometimes think of the WWE's Hall of Fame I think they got it right I mean because really when you think of the personalities that fueled the NWO I mean I think they got it right I mean I think X-Pac belongs in there you know rather than some of the other guys yeah the other than other than Giant uh, I would say maybe Conan would be a good fit, but other than that, yeah, I wouldn't want to put any of. I wouldn't yeah, want I mean, to put like. Once you start Virgil doing that, then you're gonna start. Yeah, now. it'll be a slippery slope because yeah, it, it takes the whole WCW roster into account. Pretty close, yeah. Uh, I don't know with the LWO count with that too. <laughs> <laughs> Another person that's going to be going in next year is Batista, which is pretty cool. He's he had his great moments in the ring. He's had some not so great moments. Um. I personally like the match he had with Triple H, the retirement match this year. And I'm a big fan of uh, him in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies and the Avengers movies too, which I know is not wrestling, but still. So that's a pretty cool thing. And he's a pretty big name, obviously. Well, I think when you say, you know, you know, not so great moments in the WWE, I think that's only because Vince and crew misused the guy terribly. Yeah. I mean, that's it's not his fault. I mean, it's not for his lack of work ethic or anything else. Yeah, and definitely for a big guy, a big muscle-up guy like that. If you look at how many guys like that have came through in the last, you know, since the turn of the century, we'll say. Yeah. Uh, since around the time when he debuted around that time. All your Matt Morgans and your, who was not that bad, but all your Heidenreichs and Snitskys and Luther Reigns, et cetera, et cetera, that come through. Batista's definitely the best. Yeah, I mean, all those other big guys had the combined personality, I think, of this table. <laughs> yeah, pretty really much. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, one other thing uh, to quickly mention, if I can pull it out of my head, is uh, oh yes, uh, Survivor Series was uh, recently, and I did want to discuss. It was pretty good, depending on the matches. I didn't personally like the main event. I thought the women's three was not quite as good. I liked uh, Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan the best, so I did want to mention that. And I think I'm really turning the corner on the Fiend gimmick. I know Blackjack's a big fan. Oh, I love it. And I think right now The Fiend is what's saving the WWE as as a whole. His, his gimmick is, I, I'm not saying he's stone cold, but he's the new 
type of like Stone Cold saved WWF back in the day. Yeah, he's saving WWE sinking ship right now. I would say so. And the thing where he pulled out clumps of Daniel Bryan's hair, I got to admit that was pretty cool too. Uh, and apparently he he'll be facing Miz at the next pay per view TLC, and I think it's actually going to be as just Bray Wyatt, not as the Fiend, hmm. which should be pretty interesting to see. They haven't used him in that type of a gimmick against the Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt and actual matches yet. And I like how uh, when they show him as Bray Wyatt, he has the blue uh, world title, whereas when he's the Fiend, he's got like that cool new belt, which is pretty neat. All right, so with that, let's head down to a little bit of music. Uh, this is They Might Be Giants with the guitar on rfreeradio.org. back and that was they might be giants with the guitar also known as the line sleeps tonight which it does sample 
on rifreeradio.org. And while they might be giants, we're not sure, the person we're going to talk about today definitely is a giant, and he's one that's been around for a very long time. He actually made his debut way back in 1995, so pretty close to 25 years by now, which if you pay attention, like the bigger guys who are actually good, guys like himself, uh, back in the day, Andre the Giant, and guys like Undertaker and Kane, Generally, those are guys that stick around. You know, larger-than-life stuff, it does sell, which is not to say that there's not a lot of great smaller wrestlers, because, of course, there are. But, of course, the person that we're talking about today is the Big Show, and he made his debut way back in 1995 for WCW. He came in originally as a member of the Dungeon of Doom, taking on Hulk Hogan. Uh, He had had one indie match prior to that, uh, where he actually lost via countout, so... So there is some random indie guy out there with the win over. <laughs> second, ma- your second match ever in pro wrestling, you're wrestling Hulk Hogan in the main event of a pay-per-view. If you don't count the Monster Truck Sumo match as a match, which it wasn't really. Well, the only thing that's it was pretty good for everybody but him. Yeah. I mean, that. I mean, if we know anything about how the locker room works in pro wrestling, I mean, it was not a good thing for him. No. I mean, uh, career-wise, basically. But he did. He came in and won by disqualification over Hulk Hogan. But the next night, it was revealed that Jimmy Hart put in the contract that he could win the title via disqualification. So he was champion of WCW, although he was stripped pretty quickly. And I believe that was a controversy that led to the first World War III Battle Royal, the 60-man Battle Royal, where the winner would become the new WCW World Heavyweight Champion. And it wasn't too long after that that he was out of the Dungeon of Doom. And he was in the NWO about a year later. He was one of the, as you mentioned, one of the earlier members, um, which he was a good fit for, I thought. I thought of the Dungeon of Doom people involved, I think he was probably the highlight. Um, we know we talked about the Dungeon of Doom a couple episodes back. I know Blackjack has different thoughts than I do about them, but George was not here for that, and I was curious, actually, what as to... What would have been with that? Yeah, what your opinion was of the Dungeon of Doom back in the day. Now... I wasn't. I had gotten really sick of the cartoonish approach to wrestling in WWE by that time, so I wasn't thrilled by it. What it, the same thing bothered me about the Dungeon of Doom that bothered me about the uh, Hulk Hogan era of wrestling, like for example, insulting the fans' intelligence, yeah. such as it is, right? Mine included. <laughs> I mean, you bring Kerry Von Erich into the WWF at that time and call him the Texas Tornado. I mean, as if. All of us sitting there in the seats don't know it's Kerry Von Erich. Yeah. Same thing with Dusty Rhodes. So and that's what was wrong with the Dungeon of Doom. I mean, I think that would have worked a lot worked a lot better if just a few months ago we didn't see Brutus Beefcake, yeah. uh, Mike Mark Tenta, and, John uh, Tenta, John Tenta, excuse me, John Tenta, and uh, yeah, I mean, if Kevin Sullivan had just shown up with the Big Show and a couple of acolytes. The yeah. Dungeon of Doom, that would have worked. It's just that these guys were too familiar from their other roles, you know, to work as the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah, and actually, um, Tenta, Brutus Beefcake, and Kevin Sullivan had been a stable very shortly to the Dungeon of Doom on WWTV. Right, the only person that really suffered from that was uh, John Tenta because, yeah. you know, he kept redoing his tattoo. Yeah, I yeah, I believe that I uh, forgot to mention that the last time we were talking about this. He had a uh, shark, or not a shark, a tiger tattoo from his alma mater. And um, 
he basically thought, well, if I'm going to be the shark, I can't have a tiger tattoo. So he sat and had it changed. He sat for hours and got it changed. To the shark. To the shark. And a few weeks later, he wasn't the shark anymore. Yeah. <laughs> also, before we go back to um, big show stuff, I do want to mention that I also um, don't think I mentioned the other time his famous promo of, I'm a man, I am not a fish. Which is something right up there. Yeah, it's it's right up there with Shockmaster. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Who <laughs> was also his tag team partner in the past in the WWF, Earthquake and Typhoon. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, WCW managed to disgrace both of them within the space of a few months. <laughs> yeah. Quick work for the WCW. but they uh, The thing that really pissed Tendo off was when Roddy Piper came in and they were originally going to do the war games, the NWO against Roddy Piper and... Three guys, a sumo wrestler, which was him, and I believe it was a karate guy and a boxer. Mm-hmm. But they didn't mention, oh, by the way, the sumo wrestler who was just on TV not too long ago in the same look is actually a real wrestler. And they, hadn't, they actually had Arn Anderson and Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen come in and say, well, you know, these amateurs, they can't really be your partners. You want professionals. And I guess when Anderson said these amateurs, he was looking right directly at Tenta. Uh-huh. Which caused him once he got to the back, it was basically he blew up. It was a made a huge scene, and I think um, I remember it was Stevie Ray that was saying it was like the maddest he's ever seen any wrestler. Well, I think you know where Arn Anderson was coming from. I think to Arn Anderson, almost anybody from the WWF Hulk Hogan era would have been an amateur as far as he was concerned. Yeah, right, being the you know the purest from the NWA, I mean. which he actually did have a little bit of time in WWF. Uh, during that era. Oh, Anderson? Yeah. Yeah, with, with the, the Brain Brothers. Tully, yeah. yeah, with the Brain Busters. Yeah. Which was a good tag team, but it only but lasted it d- maybe about a year. Yeah, because it didn't fit because they were a good old school tag team and yeah. around the cartoonish angles. Yeah. They actually, um, to go off topic a little bit more, uh, we'll get back on topic probably after the next song. Um, to go off topic a little bit more, they actually had Barry Windham in the WWF for a brief time while Tully and Arn were in there. And they were actually in talks at one point to bring Ric Flair in. He was going to be a guest on Piper's Pit, I believe at SummerSlam 89 probably. Uh-huh. So they would have actually had all four, not the original horsemen, but... But they would have had a legitimate yeah, four horsemen group. In the company, yeah. But the talks with Ric Flair fell through and before long uh, Windham was out and before long the Brain Busters were out as well. And I'm sure that they wouldn't have been able to call them the Four Horsemen in uh, WWF anyway, would they? Probably not. But even if they were just members of Heenan's family Every, we as a group, known it. Yeah, yeah, we would have known. All right, we'll get back to the regular topic after we go to the next song. Uh, this is, it's the holiday season and, you know, everyone loves Christmas, uh, except for people who don't, <laughs> which is a lot of people these days. And a lot of people don't celebrate Christmas. Uh, I do celebrate Christmas, but... Um, I actually have a reason for playing this song on this specific episode, which we'll get to after. But how about we celebrate a little Hanukkah first? Uh, and this is a classic comedy song from when I was little, from the 90s. Here's Adam Sandler with the Hanukkah song on rifreeradio.org. All right, everybody, we're going we're gonna to sing a song right now that you, you might know the words to, so if you want to sing along, that would be fun. Here we go. Put on your yarmulke 
Hanukkah is the festival of lights. Instead of one day of presents, we get eight crazy nights. <laughs> but when you feel like the only kid in town without a Christmas tree, here's a list of people who are Jewish, just like you and me. David Lee Roth likes the menorah. So do James Conn, Kirk Douglas, and the weasel Paul Shora. Guess who is together at the Carnegie Deli? Bowser from Shanana and Arthur Fontarelli. Samson, not a Jew, <laughs> but guess who is Hall of Famer Rod Carew? He converted. We got Atlanders and her sister here, Abby. Harrison Ford is a quarter Jewish, not too shabby. Some people think. Right, we are back and that was Adam Sandler with the Hanukkah song and the reason I wanted to play it on this specific episode is Big Show actually had a role in Adam Sandler's movie The Waterboy he was Captain Insano uh, with the famous um, I believe it was uh, Sandler that actually said it or someone said it I don't think it was him but we're all gonna laugh at you or they're all gonna laugh at you well that was an all-time bad impression but yeah, the, he did pretty good work. Um, I loved the red, white, and blue getup he had. So it's like he's a heel, but he's got like the patriotic getup on him. Uh, I was actually surprised. He was not in uh, The Longest Yard, was he not? I'm going to look that up right now, but I know Kurgan was. Yeah, and if I'm not mis- I know Goldberg was. I know Stone Cold Steve Austin, Kevin Nash. Not Kurgan. Um, Kali. Kali, yes. yeah. So I don't think he was. I was actually surprised he didn't get called back for that. All right, so while you're doing that, I'll start to 
uh, mention him in the WWF. He debuted after four years in WCW. He came in in 1999. And one of of the coolest moments of his career, I think, was actually his first night in WWF, where he pulled the Titantron down, which I think that was really neat. And it wasn't very long after that. He debuted in February 1999, and he was in the main event mix pretty quickly. Uh, at WrestleMania 15, he took on Mick Foley. Uh, he lost by disqualification, but the stip was that the winner would go on and be the main event, and or be the referee in the main event. And a year later, he was in the uh, WrestleMania main event, only his second WrestleMania in, in the dreaded McMahon in every corner yeah. storyline, <laughs> where himself, he had uh, Shane McMahon in his corner. It was himself, The Rock, Mick Foley, and Triple H, which was not too bad, actually. I mean... One year in, and he's already in the main event of WrestleMania. Uh, That was around the time, too, where he was in and out of the corporation. And it actually led to one of the cooler uh, groups that doesn't really get remembered very much. um, The Union, which was himself, Test, Ken Shamrock, and Mick Foley, with Vince McMahon as their advisor. And I just remember them having that awesome theme song where the whistle blows to signify it would be the end of work, but... That was their theme song, so that would come out too. There was also around the time too where I remember him having a Survivor Series match, which is still the shortest Survivor Series elimination match of all time to this day, where he was actually supposed to team with the Blue Meanie and Kai and Tai, but he kicked all their asses in the back. And he ended up facing off alone against Test, Big Boss Man, Viscera, and Midian. And despite taking on four pretty big guys, he actually beat them in like two or three minutes all. Pretty much squashed everyone, which, as I said, is still the quickest Survivor Series match, elimination match of all time as of now. Uh, And I noticed uh, you're finished with... uh, No, he wasn't. wasn't. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, but thank you for looking it up. That'll cost you 500 bucks. Uh, I don't really have that. Um, I think this might be one of those times where I have to take the chair shot. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Okay. Well, in lieu of a chair shot, you could just um, answer a kind of curious question for me. Yes. Okay. If you want to take that option. Yeah. Um, so, see, now memories can be a strange thing. I remember, now, see, the way I remember the, the big show coming into the WWF at that time was that they brought him, I was upset because they brought him in as, a, and basically he was a jobber for a long time. Now, am I remembering wrong, or what, how does this mix with like bringing him in as you're describing? I do think he jobbed a little bit at the beginning, but I think anyone coming, anyone who was kind of a big name in another company is gonna they put pay their due the, for a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, which I always thought was kind of a bad thing because yeah, it, it, is. it kills all the momentum of bringing in the big name. See, I think in Vince's mind is what he wants to do is he will kill the momentum, but then he'll build him back up in his image as right. opposed to. Coming in fresh as a top guy from outside. See, right. as a wrestling fan, I was shocked that Big Show came in because if you remember right, the pay-per-view before, they were spray-painting NWO on him, and yeah. then all of a sudden he's on WWF. Yeah, that was pretty much them kicking him out of yeah. WCW. It's like, uh, what just happened here? And I, I, He's one of my favorite wrestlers, but that was a shocker for myself. And yeah. Well, ordinarily you'd call that you know, like doing right by the business. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they didn't have to do it in such a scumbag way. That was just yeah. WCW all over. WWE did um, 
did pretty much the same thing to uh, Jim Neidhart, actually, the night after the Montreal Screwjob. They had him join DX for one night before getting kicked out, and I think they spray-painted WCW on his back or something like that Ouch. on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah. They're not above that either. Not to mention when Buff Bagwell came over from WCW oh, yeah. after the... I mean, oh, they really man. ran they, him out on a They rail. literally kicked his ass and threw him out the door <laughs> of the arena, and that was the last anyone ever saw of him. <laughs> so uh, briefly sticking with the WrestleMania theme, uh, the next year, WrestleMania 17, or WrestleMania X7 as it's written, which is, uh, for my money, I would say the best WrestleMania of all time, he fought in a three-way hardcore match against Raven and Kane, which Kane actually won delivering the leg drop off the stage through another part of the stage onto Big Show. But I actually thought he was a really good, like, competitor in the hardcore, like, kind of style. He wasn't in the division too much, but I remember one time he pinned S.A. Rios up against the, the wall for to win the hardcore title, which was pretty cool. It's probably my favorite pinfall of all time. I don't know if you'd call it hardcore, but it was certainly brutal. Let's not forget what he did to poor Rey Mysterio <laughs> yeah. against the brutal. ring post. Yes. When that he had him uh, strapped to the stretcher? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was hardcore. That was like a step beyond hardcore. Because yeah. <laughs> there's just no way. You're slamming a guy who's yeah. strapped to a stretcher to the ring post. There's no way. whatsoever. Yeah. That that was pretty bad. Another one. Um, wasn't Big Show, but it was Kane pushing Zack Ryder off the off of the stage in the wheelchair, which he had no way. He was all wrapped up, and he had no way to break his fall either. It was right. Pretty much, he was lucky he didn't break his ankles on that one. The way was, he landed, I was yeah. That one, I don't. I the one I remember clearly is the is the Ray Mysterio one. Yeah. Was there any? Was there some bad blood between those two guys, or was no. there? You know what I'm saying just yeah. It was just that was what was booked. Hmm. I mean, that was what they decided to book for that night. Um, well, everybody pans it, but the uh, ECW that was on the Sci-Fi Channel, yeah. Big Show had an awesome run. In I was, as yeah. champion, right? Yeah. The, I was going to mention that. that very was, glad. Yeah. yeah, very glad you mentioned that because that's actually where I was going with the hardcore stuff. Was I was going to say that the fans, of course, they didn't really accept him too well into that, but he really fit in. I think he's one that really would have fit in with the original ECW if he had went in. Because, I mean, they have guys like Bam Bam Bigelow in there that did really good. Yeah, basically, mon they appreciated monsters. Yeah. In other and actually, that ECW championship run, Yeah, that was I think that was the only time for an extended period of time that Big Show was used correctly. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And it's it always bogged, like, like I said, you know, when they made him job in the – I understand Vince's reasons, as you said, but how can you not look at a guy the size of the Big Show – yeah. And say, plain and simple, he's a monster. Yeah. He, and, and just use him that way. Yeah. I Especially, I remember the hardcore match he had with Ric Flair during that time period, oh. which was oh, amazing. That's, Flair that's had, one word for yeah, it. Oh, it was incredible. <laughs> it was one of my favorite hardcore matches, I would say, of all time. And you got to give props to Flair, too. He must have been at least like 50 at that point. Yeah. Flair was taking a hell of a beating for like those few years. Yeah. Yeah. Mick Foley bloody the living hell yeah. they, they gave they gave flair a couple of wins but it's like okay how many quarts of blood do you want to yeah. spill you know to keep your name in the ring it's seeing like, seeing the 50 year old guy walking away with thumbtacks all in his head and everything yeah. i mean i've always respect respected flair a lot but i definitely gained a lot of respect uh there was also one that sticks out in my mind which was not as good um which i like as i mentioned i like uh, batista as well i like both guys though um there was a title match, which was not hardcore. Big Show versus Batista, 
which the famous change the channel chance. Yeah. And I remember one of my favorite like announcers like calling something on the fly thing was like, Taz, why would we want to change the channel? We like it here on sci-fi. Yeah, every, every, all right, let's not let's 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 not ridicule Taz. Yeah. Everybody says something stupid in their life. I liked yeah. it. I thought it was a neat little. It I mean, was. He he knew what he was doing. He knew. <laughs> all right. Um. <laughs> so like before you go to the music, which I think you're getting ready to do that. Yep. Uh, let's talk about a, when back in our day situation. You were talking about Kane and Big Show. Yeah. Kane and Big Show was the last match to wrap up WWE. At the tent. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And when we went there, Tony and myself went there. Because we're old. Kane and Big Show could barely move inside yeah. of that ring. Yeah, there was like, um, wasn't it like a 10-foot by 10-foot yeah. ring or and something like that? Kane ended up winning, but he, he tombstoned uh, Big Show, and it was like scary watching it because he looked like he was about to drop him. I got to say, I wish I could have seen wrestling in the tent. I never got that chance. I been there a couple times when it was still open but unfortunately not for wrestling and wasn't there something else to do with the tent whereby that the wrestling had to stay pretty much in the ring yeah in in other words you could you know i'm saying so those two big guys they couldn't even yeah relieve the confinement by like taking it outside the ring it was too small it was too small eyes even with the lighting fixtures too yeah right but i'm saying but there was a rule though right that the professional wrestlers couldn't like take it outside the ring I think probably well, they, they still did. Uh, if I remember right, um, when I watched um, one of Triple H's first debut in matches when he came down and uh, he was fighting Razor Ramon, the two of them fought out into the crowd. Oh, they did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was actually um, a thing WWE used to do, used to do a lot. They would run the tent towns right. uh, in New England. So they run a lot of smaller towns like Warwick. They would have smaller buildings and it, they would actually call them the tent towns. And I remember uh, Stone Cold talking about how those smaller rings were like so much worse to bump in. Right. They were a lot harder than the regular ring they use. And yeah, also, you're always constricted. Yeah. yeah. And if you were going to do something like a suplex or something, you had to do it from corner to corner. Yeah. There was just no way to get it done any other way. Yeah. Okay. No, I don't know where I got the idea that they weren't allowed to take it outside. So maybe from maybe that came with later into. Uh, independent shows or something like that it might have been later shows Maybe. okay for some reason i crossed that in my mind probably all right let's get down to some music and then when we come back i'll talk a little more about big show and can i'll talk about them teaming together as well as some of big shows other tag teams he's had over the years but let's get down to some music and since i mentioned last time big show is going to be hosting a travel show which is part of the reason why i was thinking yeah, i should do an episode on him pretty soon uh don't know where he's going to be going yet but uh Whatever, any excuse to play a great 80s song. So this is a song about a foreign land. This is Men at Work, Down Under, on rifreeradio.org.
We are back, and that was Men at Work with Down Under here on rifreeradio.org. And we were talking a bit about Big Show and Kane wrestling each other before we went to the music. Uh, one thing I definitely wanted to talk about during this episode was some of the tag teams that he's had over the years, of which Big Show and Kane was probably one of my favorite teams he's been in. Uh, I liked it a lot when Kane was actually the big red machine Kane, and they were teaming together. When they were in the authority together, not quite as much. I remember there was the one Royal Rumble where the two of them basically killed the crowd by eliminating anyone. I don't want to say anyone good because they're good also, but anyone that the fans would rather see when someone like people like Dolph Ziggler, uh, Bray Wyatt, I remember was one of them. They basically kick everyone's ass one at a time and just dump them, like literally take them and dump them out of the ring, both people, one on each side. But, yeah. Whatever, what can you do? Uh, that's WWE. They always go back to those kind of like authority. Even going back to the big shows early days, like I mentioned, the corporation. That's just something they're always going to be doing, recycling that storyline. Uh, some of his other teams, I liked. he actually had a brief team with The Undertaker in his early days where this was like when Taker was really, really dark. Uh, I remember him saying that he drove the they drove motorcycles out into the desert and he left Big Show there to fend for himself and saying uh, they were actually originally also going to say that he was Undertaker's son during that point, which they did not get to. But Thank goodness. Yeah, thank goodness. Because then he would have been Andre the Giant's son and Undertaker's yeah. son and the son of the guy that uh, was in the casket that the big boss man towed away. Yeah. Which, all right, I'll briefly talk about that. Yeah. We, ha- we have we to. We have to. Food. Yeah. That was... Um, it was up there. It was um, it was better, I would say, than Al Snow's, uh, than Bossman feeding Al Snow his dog, which it was not real, obviously, no. uh, to any PETA listeners out there. But I did. I personally, I enjoyed the the Big Show's father's funeral, where he's out there, and the big uh, the Bossman comes with basically um, what is it? The Blues Brothers car, <laughs> cop car, and ties up the uh, the coffin, coffin to it, drives, drives it. away, and of course you got Big Show jumping on, jumping Whee! on the coffin grief yeah yeah that now that was quintessential i mean you either loved that or hated it i mean yeah. that was the attitude era in like to a t like yeah i gotta admit i kind of loved it that was pretty great <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, i'm definitely one of the people that um 
thinks that uh, Boss Man was underrated. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Someday you should do a big Boss Man show because oh, he yeah. did have a lot of really good feuds and a lot of really good stories. And even by that point with the feud with the Big Show, Boss Man was a little bit older and yeah. he was still holding his own. Yeah, and he'd actually he would actually stay in even longer too. He was there till maybe like 2004 ish, something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of the. I'll admit, I'm one of the few that didn't appreciate Boss Man, Be- not only as Boss Man, but you know his whole career, <laughs> because I th- I think he did too good of a job of selling his characters, so that yeah, I get if you see what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. But now watching the matches, just appreciating his talent, yeah. his work ethic, yeah, yeah. Even um, even what even during like his crappier gimmicks, like I remember he was the Garden Angel, and um, uh, Blackjack was just mentioning during the Music Vader. I was just popped into my head that yeah, they had yeah. a really good big man match, the two of them, yeah, back in WCW. All right, so I'll mention a few more of the t- uh, tag teams that Big Show was in. Um. I really liked, he teamed with Spike Dudley, actually, for a brief period of time, which was, it was like the extreme, like the biggest guy and the smallest guy on the roster thing. And I remember that was uh, during the time, during the Invasion era, where Spike was feuding with Mike Awesome, and uh, Big Show offered to take, uh, I think he had just been dumped by Molly Holly, too, at that point, and she had joined up with the Hurricane as uh, the Super, as Mighty Molly. Yeah, I don't remember the Big Show and Spike tag team, but I'm going, as as of the moment I get home, I am going to go looking for video. Yeah. That I have to see because I, I know what I do have is video of Mike Awesome and Spike Dudley's matches. Yeah. That was that was, <laughs> that was a very short-lived team. One thing that always sticks up sticks out in my mind, though, is um, Big Show was cheering him up, and he was um, they were going to do an angle where they went out to dinner together, which they ended up scrapping, and then... When it was actually that SmackDown was supposed to happen, Spike came out for the opening match and like, oh, they're just going to go out later. We're not going to show it. But I always thought that they should have had them there and they should have had Mike Awesome storm into the restaurant and powerbomb him through like the restaurant table. I always thought that would be an amazing visual with all the chaos. Yeah, like a high class restaurant. Yes. Yeah, that would work. White tablecloth and everything. Yeah, Yeah, I always thought that would have been a, I just thought that was a missed opportunity, I should say. Uh, a couple of other ones that I want to mention briefly, uh, which I don't really have too much recollection of because it was during the time when I wasn't paying attention to WWE's product. But uh, Jericho with Chris Jericho and Show Miz with The Miz, which I think are really, yeah, I can see George shaking his head I too. don't remember that. Yeah, I must not have been paying the attention only thing, either because I don't remember that a bit. Yeah, the only things I remember is those are some pretty good tag names. Um, one that I do remember that uh, they didn't actually call them that, but they should have, or they hinted to it at one of the vignettes that they shot, the Shoguns with himself and Billy Gunn. Mm-hmm. Yep. I remember that one briefly as well. Uh, and before we wrap things up, let's just move on to some of the recent stuff that he's done in recent years. I really wanted to mention his feud with Braun Strowman, which I absolutely loved. I thought it really, there's a guy, big show, it's been around for so long, and he's giving back to help the next new monster. Mm-hmm. And I thought he definitely held his own in the matches with Braun. I thought they were really great, especially the cage match where Braun power slammed him through the cage. And you have the one, um, you have Big Show like doing the elbow drop off the top rope. Not off the cage, but yeah, off, off the, the top. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to see Big Show ever come off the top of a cage. <laughs> There's some things, yeah. But I thought yeah. personally that was really good, and... I wish that they would have kept that momentum going with Braun. 
unfortunately he's one of those guys that they just keep stopping like especially every time it gets close to wrestlemania it's like they put the brakes on him they either have him in a battle royal or he's teaming with a little kid or something like yeah. that yeah it's like what are they it's almost like uh, that type of per- actually they did that to the big show for yeah. a while it's like almost like what do you want this guy to prove yeah. Now they're sending him out to football games and stuff. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, I think it's just one of those things where they're still they're still very much like hung up on Roman Reigns being the top face. And they'll give guys like Seth Rollins, for instance, a belt the belt. But someone's actually big, that's actually physically larger than Roman Reigns. I don't think they're gonna right now pull the trigger on having them especially as a face, which he he really should have been a face world champion by now because he's very he's bent over with the crowd for so long. Right. In other words, rather than let it's a case of rather than let the storyline go where it wants to go. Yeah. You have somebody in creative that's deter that's just stubborn and thick. Yeah. They're just determined that this decision was made and was sticking with it. Yes, pretty for no, much. For no other good reason. Yeah. Um pretty much like the main reason would be like a guy like Roman Reigns going on the Today show and stuff like that. He's a the kind of ambassador they envision. He's like the next John Cena. Like a crossover. Yeah. Like they tried to make Kevin Nash back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. The guy that's going to do all the talk shows and everything is going to look good on the front of magazines and all that stuff. All right, and one more brief thing to mention before we go to the last song. Uh, he actually came back after the feud with uh, Braun Strowman, Big Show did. He was originally going to be the muscle kind of for uh, the bar, but that didn't last very long, unfortunately. That was something I was actually looking forward to. I was actually hoping they would have kept them as a three-man unit for a while. But it was not to be, and Sheamus would uh, get injured after that. He's actually back now. So who knows? Maybe they can pair them up because they do still have Big Show working in the back. And I got to say, like, I got to give him props, too, as one of the best, like, body transformations of all time, too. Just if you look at the before and after pictures with him, it's like night and day. Yeah. And for Stuff. Big Show recent times, boy, am I happy that they scrapped the Big Show versus Shaquille O'Neal thing. Yeah. That would have that would have been El Giante versus Undertaker bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the, the kind of crappy thing about that is when they squared off in the Battle Royal a few years back, it actually got a huge pop yeah. when Shaq came out as a surprise entrant in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Right. But yeah, just be like Tony said, just be glad yeah, that never happened. Sucked. Yeah, it would not be as good as, say, Big Show versus Floyd Mayweather, yeah. which I think was one of the better celebrity matches of all time. Not for the Big Show. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. His for nose him. took a lot of punishment. I got to say, like, at least he, he didn't have to wear, like, a sumo diaper in that one. He had the match uh, with Aki Bono, which he also lost. Right, but if you watch that footage where, um, you know, Floyd throws a punch at him and yeah. then. Big Show chases him down the aisle. Yeah. He was chasing the son yeah. of a Oh, yeah, because he legit... He, Floyd broke his nose. Yeah, he legit pressed up his nose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's kind of... He's one and one with um with the kind of special attraction celebrity-type matches at WrestleMania's. Uh, even with his transformation, I still don't ever need to see him in a sumo uh, thong again, but... Not necessarily, no. no. Is there someone backstage at WWE that's obsessed with sumo because they just... Tote that out every couple of years. Well, Vince likes Vince thing. likes the big man. Well, um, yeah, no question about that. Aki Bono actually, he's um a legitimate um uh, a legitimate sumo yokozuna in Japan, uh, and he's uh after that he actually went on to have a good career as the wrestling as a wrestler. So if they're trouting that out, it's kind of to get the um the fans from Japan to kind of buy in yeah. a little bit more, spend a little more money. 
Which, hey, before we go to the last song, one more, one, 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 very one last thing. And then I promise we'll go to the last song. Speaking of Japan, next time that we join you, we will actually be talking about all things Japanese wrestlers in America. So look forward to that. We'll be talking about Jushin Liger, Great Muda, some of the current stars like Nakamura. Uh, Kaworu Kabuki. Tanaka. Huh? Oh, yeah. Mr. Yes. Fuji. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll get into all that stuff. So that's something to look forward to next time. But for now, we will wrap up this episode with a little Christmas song. And it's one of the better Christmas songs out there. This is The Kinks with Father Christmas on RIPRadio.org. And we'll catch you next time.
Hey, Joe. Not right now, man. Can't you see I'm working? I'll talk to you later. <sighs> I have no one to turn to. Mom's sick. Dad left. Tom doesn't have any time anymore. It'll be better off without me. This is the first lie you tell to yourself, along with, I'm such a burden, or I don't have a purpose in life. The truth is, is that every person you make contact with has an impact, like saying, Hi, how's your day, or what's wrong? Your impact can leave a positive or negative effect. A negative impact can be, Why are you sitting with us? Or, Get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. If you are contemplating suicide because of bullying, call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Again, the number is 1-800-273-8255. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.